Hello there. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening. I don't know where you are. Whatever time it is, I hope you're having a great time there. This is Anthony Morore and we are on Now Tell Us. And uh, I want to imagine that in your life, through the experiences that you have had, you've got some wins, but also some losses. And I don't know how you handle that. Now, James tells us that we should embrace the wins as well as the losses. So he's going to tell us how to handle all that. Well, I thought that um, embracing the wins is what we should all do and forget the losses. But that's why we have James with us today to give us a highlight or a greater understanding of these. Welcome to the show, James Hebner. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here, Anthony. And you, you know, you set the bar rather high when you say he'll be telling us. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm having a conversation. But yeah, I'll share a few things and perhaps, uh, you know, bring uh, some some perspective of, of, of how uh, we as humans all see life about the same way, which is I'll just begin by saying, you know, think about it. Whoever's listening. How is what is happening in your world? How does your subconscious not most often pick up what's happening through the lens of am I winning or am I losing? This is what mm. typically happens. The human consciousness, though, it's less of a win or loss, but that's how we see it. Am I getting further ahead or further behind? <laughs> mm. What an animal does is that that's what an animal might. I have a little puppy. It's a small little dog. It's a whole 12 inch high dog. <laughs> it's a small little multi poo. And when the dog looks out the window, for example, an animal has the ability to do one thing, mm -hmm. which is to only ever see where it's more dangerous and where it's safer to go. It's always looking for those two things. Mm -hmm. The human being, though, when looking out the window, it can the human can look out and stare out into no place and not think about danger because a human has the ability to go beyond running more towards safety or further from danger. And mm -hmm. so... A win and a loss is literally, if we want, if we choose to, then we can go beyond what a human or what a, what, what an animal does. Now, let's not go behind, beyond what a human does. <laughs> what a human does at a highest level is it perceives it for what it ends up being, and it can observe it. It can observe the win. It can observe the loss. It doesn't measure which one it prefers more. It just observes it. Okay. And uh, so that's that's part of the good news. Okay, you are going to tell us all that because you are on now. Tell us, but before you go deeper into that, we would like to know who is James Hebner. Please tell us where you're from, how you, I mean, a bit about your growing up, and then you'll bring us to this moment where we are sitting right here and mm -hmm. uh, sharing about wins and losses. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, tell us. Well. <laughs> let's uh and, and i'm just going to build off of what i'm observing here through you and that is i was always uh, a happy curious child and when i and i know thus far not much about you other than the, the time we spent before the show we had some dialogue prior to and you seem like a really happy person and a naturally curious inquisitive soul <laughs> mm -hmm. and so that's who i was when i was a child now i was i was born uh, into a family i had like prior to the show i said i had four sisters I was the middle child. You said I was the protected one. <laughs> so that was kind of nice. Uh, I had these two parents who, who've been together forever, 52, forever, 52 years. Uh, and so they modeled forward for me 
currently, and I'll speed it up and I'll go back again, but currently I've been, I've been with the same woman for 27 years, been married for 22, have two teenage boys, one 17 and one 15. The 15 has high functioning autism, but just backing it up again, I was, I was, I was, I was raised in a home. My dad was a pastor of a church. It was what they call here in America, a mega church. It was like a sizable, like thousands of members. And, uh, and so what was interesting is I would, as a little boy, I'd observe my dad um, and he would stand behind the pulpit and then he would talk to the people. And what I remember thinking to myself is, you know, someday I wonder if that'll be me. <laughs> you know how it is as a little child, you like mm -hmm. idolize your dad. Uh, however, and I'll just share with the audience, I had a really, um, and I would call it disabling, it felt like anyway, uh, speech impediment. What I thought was a speech impediment, I, was, I would stutter a lot, I couldn't get through my words properly, and, uh, and here's the thing, mm -hmm. I never knew why that was, other than in grade 8, my mom had somebody come to the school and she took me aside and she listened to me talk for a while. And she was a speech therapist and she stops me halfway through. And she said, you know, Hey, listen, you actually don't have a speech impediment. Your brain just thinks so fast. Your tongue can't keep up. <laughs> and I remember that was interesting to me because here I thought I was disabled <laughs> or I wasn't able to communicate properly. Yeah. And so, so just moving down the line, I met Meg, um, my wife, she's all a four ten or four four nine and a half. I'm six one, and I met her, and I remember thinking, "This is the little one for me." She was a cute little girl and really smart, and and she just had all, all my attention. I dated other people, but she had all of my attention. Mm -hmm. And and one day I was standing in the foyer of her parents' little home, and I was standing on on floor level, and she was three steps up, two and a half or two steps up roughly. So. Because she's two steps up, I'm taller than her. She's shorter. We're about the same height now. And so up until that point, I hadn't done any stuttering. I felt good about myself. And as you can hear, I often, you know, pulled myself down when things fell apart. When my words fell apart, I would blame and shame myself. And then it was over, right? And mm -hmm. I just felt like I, I couldn't be here. And I'm a failure. And I'm a fallacy. And, and so, uh, again, we've been dating for about three months. And I remember I was sharing something with her before I was going to say goodbye for the night. Mm -hmm. And as I did, all of a sudden the stuttering began and I couldn't get past a word. And it lasted for about a minute. And then I stopped and I remember thinking, it's probably going to be over. She probably doesn't want to be with me anymore. Uh, and, you know, the crazy stuff we come up with. But, however, because I thought to myself, I hardly know what I'm saying. Lord knows she she knows what I'm saying. Probably not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I stopped and I remember I looked at her and I and I remember feeling like, oh, I need to apologize. And I just said, you know what? I'm so sorry. And I was going to say, you know, you probably don't want to be with me. I was going to go into this. I had thought this through. I was going to say this now. And she mm -hmm. looked. She said, sorry for what? They know what just happened here. She was James. I understand what you're saying completely. And it really just rocked my world. Like that was the first moment in my life where. It was like something that I thought was sent to take me down. She says, there's nothing that separates what empathy can do. The language of empathy is there. Mm -hmm. So she basically, she basically made me feel like you're good and what's happening in you, you don't need to blame it anymore. And so um, I went from that stage. We got married in 2000, started a business, um, and I proved to myself, and I think I was really proving to my parents that I was able to financially sustain a life and to do really well because I had observed that though my parents demanded for us to be obedient good children um, I also felt there's a deep desire for from my parents 
for us or for them to be financially affluent. And my dad never was. And so they say a child um, or anybody who's being led by another will always follow the desires of the heart versus the demands of the heart from the other. Mm. Okay. So, the so though we adhere to the demand, but the desire is what we really follow. So it's a little like, um, you know, if I say to you, you know, let's not, let's not um, be rude. However, any, every time someone's rude, I laugh, you're going to realize I desire mostly to have a good time with whatever happens. Yeah. So you will then pick up on that. And that's so anyway, mm -hmm. having said that, I think I proved to myself and I became quite successful in the first couple of years of business. And then, of course, in 2008, when the housing crunch happened and we lived in Vancouver, Canada. So uh, that really affected our business because our business was 100 percent land development and real estate. And uh, I was faced with an audit. So the government basically did taxation audit. Uh, I owed a couple hundred thousand dollars. I had the money. I just didn't want to pay it. So I was resistant to the natural order of things mm -hmm. and thinking it wasn't fair and whatever. So you choose those sides. And then, of course, my son was born, getting a little older, was about one or two, diagnosed with high functioning autism. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Here's the problem. We're all coming around him and letting him be who he is. But why doesn't the world offer me that gift? But I looked around the dinner table and I realized my wife, Meg, and my older son, Rowan, who was about three at the time and Harrison was one, they were all doing that for me. It's just I wasn't accepting myself. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I checked out a life for two and a half years. And that was well over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. And I successfully found a way to sleep 18 and a half hours a day for two 18, and a half 18, years. 18, 18 and a half. Oh, that's interesting. And the, and the way I did that, so I didn't. I didn't want to not be in this world, but I didn't want to really experience the world. So I uh -huh. numb myself. Instead of taking alcohol or drugs, I would take a whole bunch of melatonin or I'd take a whole bunch of gravel, which would make me sleepy. And so I did this, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the first stage. Fast forward, I realized in that time of being, and listeners, you can probably relate, in life, if we're trying to get through something, by trying to eliminate the experiences of our life, if we're trying to avoid the reality of what is, if we're trying to get rid of and say, that's not a good thought, that's not a good thought, that's not a good thought, you shouldn't have done that, it's not really ever going to work. The good life is when we utilize all of it. All things are designed for good, but we have to find mm -hmm. a way within us, meaning I was resisting the losses of life. Okay. I, was I only wanted the wins. I only wanted the wins, and I was anxiously striving and a hamster wheel away from the losses. Mm -hmm. And the further you strive away from something, the more you're focusing on the fear. Yeah. And so while I was in that story, I realized what was happening for me mm -hmm. is I had expectation of life, but not a deep appreciation for all of life. I just had preference for what I wanted. Okay. And if I didn't get what I wanted, then perhaps I couldn't be happy. I couldn't be mm -hmm. joyful, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so speeding it up, I exited that story well over a decade ago. And I have currently, I have an unshakable love of life. And why? Because I think I had necessity for. And mm -hmm. when I say necessity, um, you know, for all of us who are here tuning in, ask yourself, where in your life is something happening or has something happened where a few things come together and it's now more than what you've ever been asked to bear. Mm -hmm. And when a, a moment like that comes in life, you have two choices. You can, you can say it's not fair and try to pedal back, go backwards and try to make right. Or you let yourself into that transition period and now you enter into the second half of life. 
mm -hmm. which is you begin to start saying, how could I, by not changing the facts of what a loss is, but bring that into the reality of how I now get to participate with it? Because if we check out a life, we're not participating in a healthy way. We're participating by checking out, but we're not participating in a way that's actually what we truly want, which is to feel like we're of benefit to the world. Mm. We, can, we, we can all live without success, but the human soul cannot live without meaning. Mm. And I like the fact when you say that uh, something that you're trying to run away from, it, it keeps on growing because uh, you're focusing on that. Someone said that uh, whatever it is that you focus on, that's what you magnify. So if you're focusing, if you're looking at the losses that uh, and maybe wishing them away, then you're magnifying them. Am I, mm -hmm. am I right in saying this? A hundred percent. You know, it's like this. If we wish away the reality, then we're going to magnify the fantasy that what we're really creating. And fantasy is not real life. Fantasy is not here. <laughs> it's somewhere there. We're, we're apparently in a movie, <laughs> you know, we're not in real time. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, how how did you bounce back and now because uh, you tell us uh, how the industry went i mean the uh, real estate mm -hmm. and the land mm -hmm. development went and then you found yourself that down okay you had the money but how did you after you went into finding a way to be spending most of your time in bed did did you how did you maintain that aspect that Yes, I have this finance that is going to stay stable, or I have to find an employment that is going to keep this stable. How did you come yeah. back to yourself? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I think, you know, if I could answer that, it would, it would be through the lens of pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, pressure, if we, and again, this is about running away from, if we think the bad news, let's say it like this, we take news, and we turn it into bad news. We become proficient at that. <laughs> mm -hmm. We must become proficient at taking news and just seeing it as news, right? Why, if we hear on the news that there's a tsunami coming or an earthquake coming, why is it that, and think about it, who doesn't just share it with their family and friends? Like, hey, are you, so what I mean is news is just news. Just let it be what it's going to be. And, yeah. you know, you know, pressure. When we, when we absorb news, it, it creates something in us. Again, I'm an amateur on the Bible, but I'll say this. You know, Bible does talk about you're pressed from both sides. Mm -hmm. And we think about, when you think of the science world, what creates a diamond? Pressure. Yeah. And so what us humans actually crave most is pressure. Mm -hmm. We actually want it because the human doesn't ever get stronger or feel like it's actually a benefit Unless it's in a decentered state. What I mean is, consider this. A kangaroo will walk on two legs at the same time. Mm -hmm. A human being, one leg at a time. And every time you lift the right foot or the left foot, you're out of balance as you're transitioning to the next step. Uh -huh. So you're always gaining strength when you're out of balance. Mm -hmm. And so we think... What we want is stability, and though it's true, we want certainty and stability. However, what we also crave deeply is to have an equally developed road or a highway for uncertainty and instability. So we, we want to enjoy that and figure out how to enjoy that really well. Because 
unless we do so, we're only ever looking for the surprises that we want. And life doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Life gives us the surprise that it actually always is. And life knows what's best. And sometimes we scratch our head. But, you know, the human runs into trouble when the human says reality should wrap around me. It's not how it works. Mm -hmm. We need to find a way of wrapping around what currently is because the good news is what's actually here. There's a little story, and I'll share it with you. There's a story about Pip. And Pip is this gentleman on the earth who is an interesting person. He has some interesting habits. He's been involved in, in crime and in, in the drug industry, and he's he's killed a few people. Mm -hmm. And Pip has always told himself that before it's too late, he's going to ask the good Lord or whatever this is for him for forgiveness. He's going to, he's going to make right. Mm -hmm. But one day he's involved in a firefight and it goes black. And all of a sudden he becomes aware he's on the other side and he thinks, Oh goodness, this, this can't be good. And he's always told himself if this happens, he is going to speak to the person who he meets there and apologize because he doesn't want to go to hell. Mm -hmm. So there's this person standing beside him, person dressed in white, and he's about to apologize, but then he realizes he's actually really good at manipulating people. He's always been good at manipulating people on earth, always. Mm -hmm. So he thinks to himself, what would happen maybe if I would just not say anything for a little while? Maybe I could squeeze in. Maybe they think I'm a different person and they let me into heaven. Who knows? So, uh, but he goes, ah, bad idea. You never know. I see there's hell and there's, I, I, I think this bad place over there and there's good place over there. But yeah. then the angel says, let's just go for a little walk. So he goes for a little walk and on his little walk, um, he's getting close to what it looks like. There's a shiny hill with lights over there somewhere mm -hmm. and they're walking towards us. And he thinks, oh my goodness, I hope we don't walk past, hope we get into that place. But he goes, yeah. Me into that place, I doubt it. So he wants to apologize again, but he goes, Let's just go for it. Sure mm -hmm. enough, they walk up to the city gates, they walk in. The angel says, Pip, you're home. This is all for you. And the angel goes, Look around. Everything you see here is for you. And he goes, By the way, I want you to know something. Whatever happens here is what happens all the time and never stops, which means everybody wins all the time. Meaning there's no pressure. Mm -hmm. Everybody wins all the time. And, and then he, what he says is you get to stay here forever, but if you ever need anything, he hands Pip a card and says, on the card's my contact. Call me if you need anything. Mm -hmm. Pip's just can't believe it. He squeezed in. They got the wrong guy, he thinks. Oh, my goodness. They think I'm a good person? Oh, and he goes, thank you so much. Puts a card in his pocket. Goes into, like, the first building. He loves gambling. It's VLTs. Boom. Pulls the trigger. Money comes. Blackjack. Boom. Wins. Money. Rook. Everything he does wins, wins, wins. And it's like, wow, this is incredible, he thinks. This is incredible. He thinks it's incredible for about one week. Then the second week, he's starting to get a little bored. So one day he just sleeps in. He's, he's, he's staying in this penthouse suite. He's overlooking the city. It's beautiful. And he's like, nah, I don't think I'm going to go down today. He's ah, just bored. But then he gets a call from his friend. The friend says, hey, you got to come down because... There's a new style of winning. This is another level of winning. You gotta come down. You got to come down. Pip's like, eh. and, the, and his friend says, "No, you you seriously got to be here because this is this is another notch." Pip goes, mm -hmm. "I'm down." He puts his pants on, runs downstairs, enters the club, enters his place, and sure enough, it's another level. It's blackjack, but it's done in a tweaked way where it's like it's so mystical, so interesting. But guess what? He realizes after the second round, he's winning again. He, there's no chance of losing. There's no chance of losing. 
Mm-hmm. And he and he takes the table and he just rifes it up, walks out. People are wondering what's the problem. He goes outside, he picks, puts his hand in his pocket, pulls out the card, calls the angel and says, Listen, there's a problem. And the angel goes, What's the problem? And Pip goes, I think you got the wrong guy. I'm in the wrong place. The angel goes, Where do you think you are? Pip goes, Well, I'm in heaven. I'm a murderer. I'm a drug lord person. I don't deserve to be here. The angel goes, Oh. You think you're in heaven? You're in hell. So the reason I share this story is the human being lives between the tension of boredom and depression. Mm-hmm. Boredom on one side, depression on another. We we live right, the sweet spot is in the middle. We're pressurized. We're pressurized from both sides. And pressure is what we want. Because when we feel pressure, that's what makes in us realize that the Christ consciousness lives in us Mm -hmm. like christ said you have heard it said but i say unto you and he says you will do as i have done meaning if we run away from our losses if we run away from the pressure if we run away from all of this Mm -hmm. it's going to be a hellish existence on this earth but if you run towards that's where the good news is it's like you know you know things like why wasn't again i'm an amateur in the bible but why, why was it that people saw Jesus as such an incredible figure? Think of what Jesus did. He onboarded such heavy things from the world. People brought him stuff that they thought was just super heavy. They couldn't deal with it. Yeah. And what he did is he onboarded all of this, but he made it look light. And that's what you and I have the capacity to do. Mm. Take, have things, take the things that the world says or we think is heavy, like a loss, and onboard it. But onboard it in a light way, meaning it's light, it's fresh. We're not changing the fact. It is what it is. A loss, if the numbers show that I got a 50% of my math exam, then that's what I got. If it shows I bought a business and I sold it out of net loss, then that's the fact. Don't mm-hmm. change a fact. No positive thinking hyperbole. Yeah. You got you to keep connecting with reality and not with fantasy. Mm. Uh, uh, going a bit back... Uh, I have not had uh, that uh, perspective before that you mentioned when you were talking about uh, one step at a time, that we gain more strength when we lose, we lose balance. <laughs> now that's interesting. I mean, when you are standing with one leg, that one leg is uh, gaining some uh, more power. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, exactly. That's, that's interesting. That's- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, and that's why, for example, like when it, when when people talk about strength, mm-hmm. um, if you look about real, active physical strength, it comes not when you go to a gym and there's a machine and everything is stable and a weight is attached to a device. But if let's say you're a farmer, you work in the field and you're throwing weight and you're off balance and you're on one leg and you're pushing and pulling, that's when functional muscle mm-hmm. happens. But if, if, if you have that ultimate stability, what you're going to do is you're going to basically tear your muscle and you're going to get a bunch of scar tissue. Mm-hmm. But lean muscle, lean muscle, the muscle that's actually there to support you when you need it most, when it's actually needed in real life, mm-hmm. is the stuff that you build when you're off balance. So, for example, when I do a workout, I stand on a plate and it's vib- vibrating in 17 different directions at the same time, meaning I'm always off balance. And when I work out, and my workout lasts 10 minutes a day, four days a week. And mm-hmm. when I got that device, my strength exploded because my body is trying to figure out where's balance, where's balance, where's balance. It can't find it. And so mm-hmm. that's that's how it appreciates. 
<laughs> That's interesting. Now I'm going to, you're going to give us um, a few, um, I mean, because I'm going to ask you a few uh, instances or live cases, and then you're going to give us a quick uh, perspective on how to handle those losses. Uh, even before we know um, what exactly it is that you do on a present day, day-to-day uh, -day activity and uh, how you can be able to help people. And, and, and at this point, let's appreciate those people who are watching us and those who will get to watch us after we've uh, been through with this episode. We have Richard, we have uh, John, and we have several other people that are watching. And I know many more we are going to watch uh, thereafter. So there a few life examples I would ask you that you can answer with one or two questions. What would you tell someone who's lost a person, a family member, Hmm. That's an interesting question. The reason I pause, and I didn't do it for effect, but you know in life, we seem to know a few things, and we seem to not know a few things. Mm -hmm. And all that I happen to know is when somebody passes away, that person is experiencing what it feels like, but also not knowing what this feels like. And so to your point, what would I say? That was the question, right? What would I say to somebody? Yeah, who's not someone, like a family member. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I started with a very hard question. <laughs> no, that's good. I love it. I, 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 I love it. I put you on the spot. I love it. Yeah. I, oh, I think, firstly, I would just stand beside them. Or mm -hmm. I let them know that I'm right there. And I wouldn't claim that I understood because even if my dad passed away and their dad just passed away, their story is different than mine. And so I would respect the autonomy of that person and what they're experiencing. I think what I would literally say would be not a word audibly, but I think I think I know I would tap into the communication that we all have prior to us ever speaking a word as a human. And that is the language that is transferable is empathy. And empathy is the knowing and the unknowing at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Winning and loss is the knowing. Typically, we want to know we're going to do that. But the unknown, people fear the loss. But somewhere in the middle, not black, not white, not right, not wrong, not good, not bad, is the gray. My son's name, Harrison's second name is Gray. Right in the middle lies Gray. And in the mm -hmm. Gray, in the Gray, we literally feel the pressure of so much of the knowing. I know he's gone or she's gone. I lost someone. But at the same time, I don't know what this means. I don't know how I'm going to keep going. I don't know what this means for my life now. The pressure. And so I would not put myself in between them and the mirror of their life. So the mirror shows them what's going on. I wouldn't put myself between them to try to solve their problem. Mm -hmm. I would stand beside them so that they could keep evolving with what's going on inside of them. Because the good news is not that I take that pressure away from them. Then I throw them straight into a hellish existence. Mm -hmm. The good news is I let them feel it. Because here's the thing, when the human recognizes it has the ability to feel these things, and experience them without exploding. That's when the Christ consciousness, like the shoulders get wider, 
a human realized I can handle some pretty heavy stuff. Oh, good answer. Second question, maybe a much more simpler. Suppose now you lost a business or career. I mean, I mean, you didn't actually lose because you told us that you had all the money. But if someone loses a job that has been uh, what he's been looking up to, depending uh, on for his family, what would you tell that person? And especially these turbulent times when finding a job or growing a career is uh, not such an easy task. Mm -hmm. Number one is say the word okay because when life happens okay if the milk if i have a cup if this is milk in this cup and it spills i can do two things i can choose to complain about that it happened or i can just realize it happened it helps me nothing to complain that it happened what it helps me is to say how i can participate with it so okay helps me primes me to take next proper action okay as in like okay so what do i what do i want to do now okay Maybe I want to go get a rag with some soap. Okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing and third thing. So right after okay, what can I do now? What do I want to do now? Perhaps I'll just see this and observe it and be okay with what had happened. And then also I'd be like, well, okay, what what do I want to do now? Well, now I want to now now I want to get a pail of water and I want to see if I can get it out. But the second and third thing, sorry, is this. Simple words. Number one, say let's see. Because let's see will bring you back to reality. Let's see expands the timeline. Because let's see says, you see, they say if milk spills on the carpet, the carpet is spoiled. You have to pull the carpet and it's going to cost you a bunch of money. Or let's see, for example, you lost your job. It's the worst news. You know, inside of yourself, you're thinking, how will I pay my bills? I got a family. I got, you know, I got a few Jameses that are my sons that I want to pay for their, their, their bills and their diapers. Let's see. Let's see expands the time, expands the time. It opens the camera lens and makes it wider. And what happens when we, when we go wider, we leave room for evidence to appear. Ah, that's reality. Mm -hmm. And so let's see expands time, leaves room for evidence to appear. And now you're not crystal ball gazing. It is what it is. So you see really what's there instead of saying it will be like this, we're projecting a bunch of losses and fears. We're like, let's see evidence appears next thing is you say let it alone mm. in, in both let's see and let it alone you're participating in one you're participating by doing the next thing is mentally let it alone listen in your brain if you think it's the worst news just let it alone mm. let it alone just let it thank alone. you thank you thank you last question on that uh, case scenarios um and i like the fact that you talked about uh, you i mean our topic is embrace your wins as well as your losses. Now, I like the fact that you include the wins, embracing, I, I mean, it could be automatic that we should embrace the wins, but then I've met with these people or this person who says, I wouldn't want to win the lottery. Why? Because uh, most of those people who, who win the lottery, a few years down the line, they are in the worst uh, position or condition that they can ever find themselves or a worse situation than they were before uh, this started. So uh, what would you say someone who's uh, gotten an unexpected win, big win, mm. how, how is he supposed to handle that? <laughs> well, I think I do it like anything. If I experience a big loss, I don't change the fact, meaning the loss, the facts keep them intact. With, without that, it's hyperbole, it's positive thinking crap, it doesn't work. You got to keep the facts real, okay? 
So yeah. if you lose, you want to bring it to the middle. Don't don't take a negative turn to positive because a loss is never a negative. It's like this, the same thing for a win. You win the lottery. But what's honest? Try this. Listeners, grab a coin. This isn't a coin. This is a pen. But grab a pen or actually for you, it's a coin. Sorry. Grab a coin and, and squeeze it between your fingers and feel the texture on the thumb from the coin on one side and feel the other side of texture from your other finger and just squeeze it and rub it and feel that. Feel that. And while you're feeling it, I want you to feel those two sides of the coin and feel like that's the good news. The reality is there's always two sides. But now what I want you to do is take that coin, slap it down the table. And don't pick up the coin, just look at it. And now I want you to try and convince yourself that that coin doesn't have two sides. Say, no, it is only what I see. It is only what I see. It is only what I see. It's insanity. Your brain can't do it. Your brain goes, are you silly? So now pick up the coin again and feel that. There's always two sides. So if somebody wins a lottery, here's the thing. You think you win. That's great. The only thing is you want to be bored stiffless. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to tell yourself it, this is just one way. Always put yourself into the tension and the pressure of life. Always. And here's what you do. You say, where am I losing here? You're going, why am I thinking of losing? I just won the lottery. Oh, you know what you want to think? Of course I'm losing. Because like breathing, I'm inhaling, I'm taking in, and then when I exhale, I let go. So I take in, then I let go. I take in, and then I let it go. So losing, not as in like I, I'm losing stuff in life, mm -hmm. and this isn't about trying to make it a negative. What you're trying to do is bring balance to it, and, and, and when you bring reality to it, again, keep the facts intact. I got $5 million in my bank account. That's incredible. I once had... First stage of life, I had plenty. I still, I'm okay, but I wouldn't say that I, you know, I'm not going to boast about any of these things. So that's not what this is about. All that I can say is that when you look at that, ask yourself, if I'm not careful, where am I losing my ability to connect with the homeless? Where am I losing my ability to connect with those that are oppressed for the widow, for the orphan? And then I get to decide if I'm going to lose my ability. And then I get to do something about it. And then I go, this money won't change my life. Mm -hmm. I will still be with them on the street. I will still, right? And so you constantly bring that pressure in, meaning don't wait for the pressure to arrive. You bring it. Because if you don't bring it from within, life will do it for you and you will not be prepared and you're going to likely stumble. So the, the key is you bring it, you don't wait for it. Oh, Okay. So thank you very much. We really appreciate you uh, being here with us and sharing with us all that you've shared with us uh, on embracing your wins. Thank you for telling us your wins and losses. And I thank you to everyone uh, who has been with us, those who have been watching us. Thank you. I won't mention all the names that I see that have been present, but I'll just mention uh, uh, one Richard T. Matia. He's asking, Mr. James, how can I connect with you? <laughs> yeah yeah so it, uh, you know uh richard that, that you know that's his name correct richard yeah richard uh richard and for anybody else here on the call here's how you connect with me one i have a um a program and it's called a virtual weekly wins and losses global call so if you like it's a virtual experience and it's quite the experience to be honest and frankly it's the best way that i know how to bring truth to what your last week is really all about. It's a no charge call. It happens every Friday at noon. 
So really what we're doing here is we're jumping onto this simple call that will deliver a profound, and I mean a profound experience for you, as you'll clear the deck of all the unhelpful stings of the last week's losses, so that when your new week begins, you're best able to launch out of the gate, invigorated and ready to take on a courageous action toward the, the unhelpful side, or without, sorry, without the unhelpful side of hesitation and delay. I invite each one of you to show up and just come and, and share as you wish, or simply observe others share a personal win and personal loss that stood out for them from the past week. Come, master the art of being prepared for anything, right? Win, lose, or draw. Come and learn how to authentically celebrate both a win and a loss in real time, every time. So that's option one. That's for everyone. Second option is for those people that want to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. And, and I mean, on a podcast, typically I have a few people, and you know who you are. You're going to feel that nudge if you're like, no, I got to talk to James. I want to really connect with them on a one-to-one -one basis. Please feel free to do so, and here's how. Go to www.jamesheppner.com. So that's J-A-M-E-S-H-E-P-P-N-E-R. And there you will find things about me. You'll see my blog. You'll see my podcast. Um, you will see how you can connect with me individually. So you can go to the Contact Me page. You can select for one-on-one -on -one coaching, whatever it is that you want to do. Or you can also find the wins and losses uh, page where you can scroll down and cl simply click on it's about halfway down you click on join this Friday's call but back to the one-on-one -on -one strategic results coaching this is just for you and because it's just you and I that work together we get to go beneath the surface of your individual experience of life we get to align with your strengths and from that place we get to sculpt craft and design a personal success and fulfillment formula that is unique to you and that's the key about one-on-one -on -one work. We craft something specifically with your strengths, and we craft a success and fulfillment formula just for you. It's not something you're going to find in a book or receive in a seminar. Again, this is just those that are hungry and want it all. And so, again, you can find me at, and if you want to put it into your show notes, www.jamesheppner.com. Yes, that's definitely in the show notes. Uh, welcome each and every one of you who's listening or those who get to listen after we are through. Go to jamesheppner.com and connect with James and experience or learn how to embrace your wins as well as losses successfully. <laughs> we thank you very, very much, James, for being with us here. And before we go, leave us or tell us a few words like, one sentence or two sentences, something that we will always remember. Mm. Perhaps ask yourself this question. If life owes you nothing, who would you become? If life owes you nothing, who would you become? Would you become grateful and appreciative and maybe less expectant and maybe enjoy yourself a little more? Who would you become if life if you chose to adopt the belief that life owes me nothing. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being with us. We thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And Not a problem. Thank you and have a great time. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs>